Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. What do you think of when someone mentions your heart? For most of us, we think about our feelings and emotions. However, in the Bible, the heart represents the inner self. Our hearts are the place of our reason that sets the course of our thoughts, our will, and our behavior. Our hearts are also what sets our lives on a course with or against God. This is why the scriptures often calls our attention to the condition of our hearts. This also explains the great lengths God will go to to pursue the hearts of people with cold hearts towards Him. To learn more, here's Pastor Jim in Daniel chapter 4 with part 2 of his message, The New World Won't Last Very Long. Remember, we are not to be cul-de-sacs of grace. We are not to be like where the grace comes into us and dies in us. It comes into us and then goes through us to other people. And that's what Daniel is. Now, a lot of times you say, yeah, I try to talk to people, but they don't understand what I'm talking about. They, they, they just don't, they don't get a clue what I'm talking about. That doesn't mean you don't stop. You don't stop. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But let me give you a verse that explains it to you. you many of you know this, many of you don't. 1 Corinthians 2.14. But the natural man, that, that, that is someone who lives without the Holy Spirit. They have not put their trust in Jesus. The natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. That's why when you talk to certain people about the things of God, they're like, what are you going on about? Like, what are you talking about? You're nuts. You're crazy. Uh, when I read this verse, I remember as a new believer, I read this verse, I was like, oh, wow, this makes sense. Like, this is why everybody thinks I'm a total nut job. Other people said, no, Jim, that's not why we think you're a total nut job. You're just adding to the reasons why we think you're a nut job. But they're foolishness to him. Look at this. Nor can he know them. Can't even understand them without the Spirit of God because they are spiritually discerned. So the things of God are spiritually discerned. How does God break through that in people? I'm telling you, man, but when people think that they know, I'm just like, sure, sure. You know, it's really hard to know that, how that all works together. That all works together. So we do know that, that when we present the gospel to people, some people will believe, some people will not. How that all works, I know some of you have got to figure it out. I don't. You know, I, the, I, the more I study, the less I know. All I know is my role, your role, we tell people. That's what we do. We tell people. Paul says, I plead with you to be reconciled to God. Then what does he do? He goes home and sleeps like a baby. Doesn't worry about it. Now it's, now it's between them and God. Verse 10, now we get to hear the dream. He says, these were the visions of my head while on my bed. So he's, he's, telling, he's telling them we go into, you know, he's there lying in bed. I was looking, so he's, he's dreaming. I was looking and behold a tree in the midst, or maybe this is the vision afterwards. It's a little complicated. A, a tree in the midst of the earth. It's, so this, there's this big tree in the middle of the earth, and its height was great. So here you have this tree in the middle of the earth. It's centrally located, and it's large. So 
think Babylonian empire, we said in weeks before, as far as the eye could see, he's controlling everything. He's the most powerful man. He's controlling everything in the known world. Hint, he's the tree in the middle, or the, at least originally, maybe we could say the empire is the tree, and it's in the middle of the world. So he is the center of the world. You know anybody who thinks they're the center of the world? Oh, they're such a joy to be around, aren't they? Just really, it's, it's all about me. And, you know, life is bordered on the north, south, east, and west by me. And you're like, this is a joy. So I digress. Verse 11, the tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens. And we're probably supposed to think of the Tower of Babel from the book of Genesis, symbolic of the pride of man and the defiance of man towards God. And it could be seen or it was visible to the ends of the earth. Again, picture the Babylonian empire reaching to the far ends of the earth. Verse 12, its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches and all flesh was fed from it. Some versions say every creature, all living beings. So everything in the Babylonian empire from his point of view was going really well. One thing that people, empires always forget is you can take over a country, you can give them a good economy, you you can keep everybody well fed, but people like to rule themselves, don't they? People, countries like their own freedom. And so he thought everything's going great. It was fabulous. Verse 13 tells us why he's afraid. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one. Let's stop right there. What is, what is a watcher? Some, some versions say an observer. Some versions say a, a messenger. We probably think of it as an angel. And he says, coming down from heaven. So someone from the unseen world comes into his world. He cried aloud, verse 14, and said thus, chop down the tree and cut off its branches. So how's the Babylonian empire looking right now? Not too good. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast get out from under it and the birds from its branches. So what's happening? The tree is being judged. The Babylonian empire is going to be judged as we'll see as we go further in the book. So Nebuchadnezzar is afraid because he realizes his dream is about him and the Babylonian empire. And it's going to be chopped down. Why? Well, because heaven has seen this empire has not lived up to the word of God. Now, here's an unusual thing that happens in the Bible. God's people rebel. And God uses nations to go in there and chastise them and discipline them. But he doesn't send them in there to brutalize them. He's like, you're going to go in, you're going to conquer the place, take them captive, I'm going to teach them a lesson, then I'm going to return them to the land. That's the plan that God has. But God's not like, I want you to go in there and brutalize them. But this is what happens a lot of times. So these nations, they go in, they brutalize them. So not only now God's people are in trouble for their sin, so is the brutalizing nation. And so what's happening? Nebuchadnezzar is being warned. He's being warned about a lot of stuff that's going on in the empire. He's being warned about a lot of the stuff that he does. 
But for now, the tree looks really good. Do you know anybody who just, they are so far from God, they don't live at all, they're completely dishonest, they don't do anything that they're supposed to do, they are mean, rotten, nasty people, and they seem like everything's going great for them. They seem like they are being blessed beyond measure. Their, their world is just so wonderful. Everything is great. Looks like they're being blessed. They, they make lots of promises, promises they can't or, or won't keep. That's kind of like Nebuchadnezzar. And right now, he is being warned about the way his nation is and about the way he is. Now, let me make a few enemies. To be honest, this scares me about the church in America. I'm very much afraid of what goes on in our church. There's few, if any, prophetic warnings anymore. It's all about how wonderful everything's going to be, how good everything is going to be. And then we wonder why people walk away from God because God never said everything was going to go great. The apostles said through much suffering, we enter the kingdom of God. What do you think that means? I think that means through much suffering, we enter the kingdom of God. I don't know. I'm not as smart as some of you, but I, I figure that's what, that's, that's what that means. It means what it says. And then a lot of people just, they don't, they don't they're like, well, I tried it. It didn't work for me. I, I suffered. I had difficulty. It didn't, it didn't work. So I, I'm out of here with this. But that's the message that's out there a lot. There's no prophetic warning. The, the Bible often is the warning of here is the warning. You've sinned against God. You need to repent. You need to turn to him. You need to come. But now the message in so many places is just come. It's not that you need to stop what you're doing or lead a different kind of life or ask God to forgive your sins. It's just come. And we can blame the culture all we want. But so much of what's going on right now, it is quite possible while we blame the culture, it's quite possible it's the church in America's fault. You say, how could that be? Theologians call this God's passive judgment. God's passive judgment. Let me give you two examples. You could read them in your Bible. God brings his people out of Egypt. Oh, please get us out of this place. Please, please, please. Gets them out of the place. They walk across to the promised land. They're complaining. It's not that long a trip. And they walk across to the promised land. And they send some spies into the land. They send in 12 spies. Ten of the, two of them come back. Let's take this place, baby. It is ours. We got God with us, man. No problem. Ten guys are like, there's giants. The people are big. They're mean. What are you going to do? And all the people are like, no, we can't go. We can't go. God says, all right, go for a walk. So 38 to 40 year walk. That's God's passive judgment. Who suffered? The kids. The kids. They had to watch everybody die except for a few. They got to suffer through this. Isn't that terrible? Isn't that terrible? Some of us who are older, you know, I'm not saying it's your fault, but the church has just gets given these fluffy messages, cotton candy messages. Listen, if you give cotton candy messages, you get cotton candy Christians, if they're Christians at all. And, and then who's going to suffer? The kids who want to follow Christ. 
So there's one example for you. Another example of God's passive judgment. First and second kings. There's a good king. There's a bad king. There's a good king. There's a bad king. There's a really good king. There's a really bad king. Up and down, up and down. One of the ways God judges nations and God tends to judge nations is bad leadership. Bad leadership. It's very hard to find somebody right now who thinks if you go over the whole government in the United States of America, do you think the leadership is good right now? Or the leadership has been good even in the last 20 years? A lot of people are like, well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. God's passive judgment. Keep that in the back of your mind. You're going to need a little bit later. So verse 15, we, the dream continues. The tree apparently was the empire, but now we see the tree can be the king, verse 15. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth, in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it, most of your versions say, let him be wet with the dew of heaven and let him, so now it says him, so now all of a sudden this tree is a person. Let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart or the mind, some versions say, of a beast. And let seven times pass over him. So what is seven times? Seven seasons, probably seven years. Now, in the Bible, it's different than we, for us, it's the heart. Like, oh, your heart. Follow your heart. Every time I hear people say that, I'm like, oh, barf. (laughs) Follow your heart. In the Bible, heart is the inner self. It is the seat of reason. It is the, it is the place of your will. It is really what, what guides your behavior. It sets your life on a course with God or against God. And so it's clear here, we'll see in the next section too, that the stump is Nebuchadnezzar. And God says that with this, with this band of iron and bronze, that he's going to protect him and he's going to protect Babylon. But Nebuchadnezzar is going to lose his mind for the next seven years. We'll look at that next week. You know, we're often trying to change people's minds, aren't we? This is how powerful God is. Because we read last week about Nebuchadnezzar was talking about after the fact. Now he's telling the story of how God changed him. We're trying to change people's mind. God's like, I can take their mind away and change their heart. That's how powerful I am. That's what I can do. You see, the reality is, is that God can take anyone's heart and change it. Don't forget that when you talk to people. Don't forget that. So the most powerful man in the world, the most powerful man in the world will be cut down by God. And God says, that's as easy for me as it is cutting down a tree. That's as easy for me as going out to the yard, taking a you know, power saw and just, that's it. That is how easy it is for me to take out the most powerful man in the world. Now, how many people do you think have been trying to kill this guy for the last 30 years? I mean, nobody can get close to this guy. God goes, I'll go like this. 
I'll take his mind. I'll cut him out. I'll take his feet from out from under him. Nothing. Snap of my finger. In fact, I don't even need to snap my finger. All I need to do is think it. Verse 17, he says, Nebuchadnezzar talking, this decision, uh, other versions say this sentence, this verdict, this order, this decision is by the decree of the watchers, the, the, the messenger, the angels that God has sent. And so this is not De- Nebuchadnezzar's decree. He knows this has come from the, from the unseen world. And the sentence by the, by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men gives it to whomever he will, Another version says, he gives it to whoever he wants and he sets it over the lowest of men. Verse 18, this dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare or tell me its interpretation since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able. Why is he able? Nebuchadnezzar tells us, for the spirit of of the holy God is in you. Now, I'm going to make a confession to you. I said a little bit earlier, for years, I thought this chapter was about the pride of man versus the power of God. I do think that is a sub-theme. If you've sat in churches before, you've probably heard it taught that way. I've changed my mind. This is one of the things about Bible reading. If you think you know something, always come to the text as an agnostic. What is an agnostic? An atheist is someone who says there is no God. Whenever I talk to atheists, I would go, is there a smidgen of a chance there might be a God? And they go, well, there's a smidgen of a chance. They go, oh, look, you're an agnostic now. We're already on our way, right? (laughs) But but, but here we have have this, this, this situation where you come to the Bible as an agnostic. An agnostic is someone who says, I don't know. It's the best way to come to a Bible text. Not thinking you do know, but saying, God, I don't know. I either want you to confirm to me that I'm right or I want you to change my mind. So for years again, I thought this was about the, the I hadn't never taught through Daniel before, but I've read it many, many times that, that this was a chapter was about the pride of man versus the power of God. Again, we'll look at that subplot next week. But verse 17, the end is the key. He says that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men gives it to whomever he will. Or we say he he rules in the kingdom of men and gives the kingdom of men, we could say, to whomever he will. Now, some of you are saying, well, what makes you so smart to think that that this is the main point? Remember what we just read in verse 17. Now we read the same thing in verse 25. Till you know, some of your versions say, until you have learned that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it what? The kingdom of men to whomever he chooses. Now look at verse 32, the end of verse 32. Until you know, some of your versions say, until you have learned that the most high rules where in the kingdom of men and gives it, gives what? The kingdom of men 
to whomever he chooses. So, three times, God says the same thing. Now, I'm not the sharpest knife in the draw, but I do realize that when God repeats himself three times, in that short a period, he's like, hello, I'm trying to tell you something. How many of you like highlighters? How many of you like highlighters? Yes, ooh, lots of you, lots of you. Some of you have them with you, right? I have color schemes in my highlighting. I use all different color schemes for different things, right? It's like, we're so weird and obsessive. I know, I get it. And so um, the Bible writers didn't have highlighters. It would have been simple, right? The chapter, highlight those three things or highlight the one verse. And we'd have been like, oh, look, it's highlighted. We got to figure it out. No highlighters. How many of you like italics? How many of you like bold fonts? Bold and underline. Make that point. How many of you like all caps, right? You like all this stuff to make your point. Bible writers had none of that. They had a pen and paper. So how did they make us notice what was God's point? They repeated it and repeated it and repeated it. So we couldn't miss it. In fact, kind of, there's, there's different sections of Daniel chapter 4 And that statement is really made at the end of every section. So that's like the summary of of every single section. That the most high rules in the kingdom of men. So Daniel is stating a fact and he gives that kingdom of men to whomever he chooses Now, here's our problem. We might be guilty of thinking that was Daniel's time. We might be guilty of thinking, or just Daniel's time, or just the future, and not knowing that it is the here and now. And that might be something you need the Holy Spirit to see. In our despair over what's going on in our world, over what's going on in our country, how important it is to keep that out in front of us. So no matter whom I'm talking to and whichever president they're afraid of, then they'll be afraid of the next one too. Someone will be afraid of the next one too or the next government too. I'm going to tell them, hey, this is what I know. God is the ruler of the kingdom of men and he gives the kingdom of men to whomever he chooses. So you may not like the guy in the Oval Office or the woman in the Oval Office or these other people, but God is in control of that. In Genesis chapter one, man is called to have dominion is the word, is called to rule the world under God's authority. It's not like we're like, we can do whatever we want. We are are to rule the world under God's authority. In other words, we are responsible to rule like God. That's on a world level. It's on a national level. It's on a state level. And it's on an individual level. God tells us here, you can bet I decide who will rule the nation. You may object. 
You say, but there's so many bad rulers. There's so many bad leaders who exploit people. Now, in one sense, it is a mystery. The scripture says that the secret things belong to the Lord. And there's going to be times when we're, you're spiritual people more than me, they ain't saying much, but there are going to be a lot of times you say in your life, what are you doing? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? And, and so we all have those times. And so, I mean, even Jesus said, Father, you know, if there's another, he's much more together than we are. Father, if there's another way, you know, let this cup pass for me. But there was no other way. Other times I, I have found the words of Gleason Archer, which I'd read a long time ago and came across again recently, very helpful. He says that one of God's criteria for leadership is the moral condition of the people to be ruled over. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.